0: Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. I'm Ellen 1 Anderson from Region Legal Service Office Mid-Atlantic, and we have two very special guests here today. Our very own JAG CMC Master Chief Brooke Larkins, as well as the prior JAG CMC Retired Master Chief John Del Ritchie. How are you all doing today? I'm doing
1: fantastic. Thank you, Ellen One Anderson. Hi, Ellen One. Doing great. Excited to be part of the podcast and very much appreciate the invitation.
0: Yes, thank you both. So today we will be discussing the different perspectives and experiences while serving in the unique position as a Jack Horse CMC. So but before we begin, let's learn a little bit about each of you for those that do not know. um, Can you tell us where you are from originally and why you joined the Navy? And we could start with you, um, Retired Master Chief Richie. Okay, Uh,
2: so I joined the Navy. Uh, after high school in 1989, from Fulton, Missouri. That's where I'm from originally, where a lot of my family is still at. Um, you know, the the I guess the right answer is to say I joined the Navy for college opportunities. And uh, I was fortunate to have those college opportunities, but really I joined the Navy just to get out of my small town and experience some new things. And I'm and I'm glad I did. I found the Navy to be my niche and loved the career that I had. Um, I retired in 2019. My family has settled in Gulf Breeze, Florida, now where um, we raise chickens and have dogs and cats. And I work as the administrative officer the Disability Evaluation System Council Program, so I still get to be a part of the great OJAG
0: team just in a different capacity. That's wonderful. Glad to hear that. And how about you, Master Chief Larkins?
1: Yes. Thank you. I joined the Navy in December of 1993. I am from a really small town in Iowa that had one stoplight, and I knew that just being in Iowa in a small town was just not my, my forte, and I wanted to do something bigger and better, and that's why I joined the Navy. The Navy has provided many opportunities that I probably would ha- would not have gotten if I would have stayed at home and went to college right after high school instead of joining the Navy.
0: Awesome. Certainly relatable. I'm sure many people can relate to that. So, we will jump right into these questions. What were some of the challenges that you have faced while serving as the CMC of the JAG Corps and how were you able to overcome those challenges? Master Chief Larkin? So, I took over from Master Chief
1: Richie in the summer of 2019. I remember sitting in my office and asking myself, where do I begin? And, and what the heck did I get myself into? I remember the first day Chief Gutierrez came into my office and she looked at me and she basically told me that I needed to get myself together. And that was really exactly what I needed at that time. Shortly after that, um, the comprehensive review began and that there was so much uncertainty with the JAG community. How are we going to overcome this challenge? And at times it was very overwhelming because everybody had their own perspective and thoughts. And then there was a lot of work that went into the recommendations and ensuring that we had the right stakeholders involved at, and ensuring that every voice was heard. Although the CR has been answered, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Now it's our responsibility as, as leaders to continue to assess and provide the feedback if adjustments need to be considered. Then the coronavirus came, and we had to adapt fast. And it really forced us to have innovation and how we do business for our future force. And knowing that the safety is our number one concern when it comes to our sailors. And for me, it was really hard I am the type of person who feeds off of people's energy and not being around sailors really put me in a weird spot where I just didn't know how to navigate. At one point, I just said, you know what, I just need to get back to work. And once I did get back to work and come into the office and have the ability to go out and travel and see the sailors, I was like, yes, this is what I was missing. And as you know, we still continue to adjust as the coronavirus is still here today, but we're going to have to learn to live with it and
0: make those adjustments as necessary. Master Chief, thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. And Master Chief Richie, a similar question. What were some of the challenges that you faced while you were serving um, as that Corps CMC, and how were you able to overcome those challenges? Well, let me first say that um, I think any challenge
2: we've looked at, we've dealt with previously pales in comparison to what um, the active duty and the leaders have been dealing with over the past two years with COVID. Um, and I I just want to commend you all and thank you for your continued service through that. Um because as Master Chief said, you know, one of the one of the challenges is a lot of times uh just the bureaucracy. Um things don't happen quickly, and that can be extraordinarily frustrating. But the energy and what made it worthwhile for me at least. Was being able to go out and travel and do the site visits and talk to the LNs in the field, um, so I know exactly what Master Chief Larkins, Master Chief Larkins is coming from when she when she said she was missing that piece and, and needed to focus on it because um, that I know is what kept me energized as well. Um, I think in general, you know, the LN community is uh, it's small but mighty. And part of the role of jag CNC is just trying to make sure the community doesn't get lost in the sauce of the Navy, you know. Um, while we're small and mighty and our work is valued and valuable, uh, recognition that we're we're unique from the majority of other ratings is sometimes something you have to continue continue talking about with other leaders in the Navy, because policies are made from the standpoint of the the bigger Navy as a whole, right? And we're just a really tiny, small slice of it. So sometimes the things that we needed for our health of the community didn't necessarily fit into the standard process and practices of, of the Navy. And um, so I, I would oftentimes finding myself find myself having to well you always have to justify any requests or asks that you have that um, that just became part of, of the battle rhythm where you're constantly trying, trying to um, defend why we're asking for something why we're maybe asking for a policy exception and um, and why we want to be involved in certain detailing decisions or processes or at least in the process uh, and that sort of thing.
1: Master Chief Richie you are spot on when you when you're <laughs> saying about justifying. I'm trying the, to sound uh, as wonderful as you Brooke. no 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 but what you what, what, what you're saying as far as just justifying and explaining why we need this or just redirecting as far as what the policy is. Okay. And a lot of times when the policy is there sometimes they just don't listen and other times that they do, but it takes a lot of a lot of work to get it and then mm-hmm. I always I always um oh, mess with Senior Chief Kelly and be like, oh, yes, we got to win. It's the small wins <laughs> that really matter because of how much effort it goes into making these changes and pushing our community forward, it takes a lot. And a lot of times mm-hmm. people don't see what happens behind the scenes and the questions that are asked. And one of the things that I truly appreciate about our leadership is they, they, want to make the best decision at that time and when they do make that decision trust me they are asking the hard questions and why and if you aren't prepared to answer that then we'll pause and go back and then readdress it at another time absolutely and here's the other piece of it too is you don't have
2: (laughs) there's no specific insertion point for us. Um, How we overcome those challenges, at least for me and and, and Master Chief Larkins, I'm sure this is is probably the same for you, but you have to build your professional relationships. Um, You have to be able to reach out and, and talk to the stakeholders that own the processes that we're trying to influence. And... And we've also got to stop and recognize which battles to fight for. And if you can't get the change that you want, you've got to figure out the process itself and learn how you can leverage that to to best fit the community. And what I do, what I did, I just, I asked. If you don't ask a question or you don't ask for something, the answer is always going to be no. But if you ask the question and you give them the good justification and answer their questions, like Master Chief just said, then yeah, you definitely get the yes sometimes. And those those small victories go a long way to um oh my gosh, those are the in your energy, right? <laughs> those are the, <laughs> the best. things you have no idea
0: for yeah, well, thank you. That was, I mean, thank you for sharing that perspective, Master Chief. Um, I certainly get that, um, and I'm sure many of our listeners get that, too. So thank you um, for sharing that perspective that many of us, we don't know about. Um, but that's why we're here, to hear those experiences that you, you have from your side and your perspective. So, um, which brings me to our next question. Um, recently, there were significant efforts efforts um, made to strengthen the numbers in the legal name community. Yeah. What were some of the recruitment efforts made to increase numbers and have they been successful in your opinion? Uh, Master Chief Watkins.
1: Oh my goodness, yes. Um, bottom line, our community has answered the call on recruiting. As Master Chief Ritchie said, we are a small but mighty community. And when we have manning gaps, it really affects our mission. And just as it was for Master Chief Richie, and I know it, it is for me, the highest priority is our community health. And realizing that as the Navy changes, we need to change too. We need to ensure that we remain relevant and not left behind. With the adjustments that we made to the conversion instruction really opened up an opportunity for a demographic that we were falling short, and that was has always been typically our, the E4s. But each of our AORs during the pandemic found a lot of creative ways to hold recruiting symposiums. Many of the our overseas sailors did AFN commercials, some podcasts. And most importantly, representing themselves on a daily basis where they would go out on the deck plates and sailors would see them and say, I want their job. And knowing that how much we ask of our LNs and many of the LNs that are our conversion coordinators, they have a full-time job, but they're also on the deck plates recruiting our reliefs. So I, I truly appreciate everything that the community has been doing and most importantly as far as when we talk about stakeholders we can't do it by ourselves. Our enlisted community ma- manager has gotten really involved as far as promoting talking with our NC communities, um, giving them training, and really connecting them to our point of contact within each of the AORs and asking for them to ask them the questions as far as how do we do do the conversions, what's the routing process, and just the similar brilliant on the basic stuff that um, we typically get and we've done tremendously in the past two years since I've been in the seat.
0: Awesome, thank you, Master Chief. Uh, Master Chief Richie, um, while you were serving as Jack or CMC, did you make any efforts? Um, were there any efforts made to increase the community in numbers? There were, there were. Um, so
2: it's the challenge, yet another challenge, of uh, mm-hmm. increasing numbers. You know, the Navy has a set in strength and we have a piece of that in strength so some things that would happen is a command would identify a need for an ln but in order to turn a billet into an ln they have to give up something else so there's always a give and take when you look at manning numbers and creating new ln billets there was a Sure, manpower requirements uh, determination that was done at the headquarters not long after I got there. Uh, we were able to get a couple of new billets. That's how TCAP and DCAP is in place. So, Chiefs and TCAP and DCAP um, at the headquarters for additional support to the field. Um, we submitted a, a POM request before I retired. We were trying to increase LN, the LN community, in the NILS command. Uh, we were also looking at trying to uh, put in some master-at-arms for courthouse security. Uh, but quite frankly, the, the request wasn't, wasn't well supported uh, because when the Navy is looking at in-strength and manpower requirements, they're needing some sort of um, you know, manning documents or manning studies uh, to help support that. So while the CR, I know, was a challenge for Master Chief Larkins, I think in the end it turned out to be very much a blessing for the community because it appears that there are some additional – there was some acknowledgement by the Navy that maybe we were doing more with not quite the right – uh, manpower mixture. So I think that's a, definitely a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as recruitment efforts, I got to enjoy, I think, about a year where we were overmanned or 100% manned. <laughs> and with that, presented some additional challenges too with um, uh, advancement. So when you're undermanned, Advancement is actually pretty good yeah. when you get man when you're land at a healthy level uh there's some challenges with advancement exam numbers, Uh but one thing that we were able to do to get us to that healthy number was NJS went through a little bit of a a, a change where they changed out the dates of the LNA session course, and I can't remember if it was 2016. I think it was 2016, Master Chief Larkins. You might have... Might, I don't remember dates quite as well that they actually held three classes in that calendar year as they made that transition to the new um to the new schedule and that really went a long way with getting our numbers up to where we needed them to be um it was 2016. yeah so you don't do this job without the help of a lot of other stakeholders and the Area master chiefs and senior chiefs and definitely NJS is always tied at the hip uh, with pretty much any decisions that you're going to make in the seat uh, because that's who you rely on to help execute and train to whatever the decisions are going to be. Um, but Those are just, I think, a couple of examples that... Um, yeah, for, for every billet that grows in the community, you just have to know it's taking away from another command and you you have to make the assessment. You know, even though we desire to grow our community, you also got to make sure that the billet's going to be a good fit for an LN, that it's going to be substantive work and they'll be gainfully employed. And then, of course, if we approve it, we've got to be able – to fill it, which goes back to the conversion process once again. So just a little bit of
1: background information with that, I guess. Yeah, and then all the, when those um when the other commands are requesting those billet growths, many times I find myself going back and and challenging them on what does that portfolio actually look like in Commands are very quick to ask for a chief petty officer, but knowing just the op tempo and the the portfolio that they describe, going back to them and saying, hey, I think this is a better fit for first class, and do a comparison to another command that's similar in size, is similar in um, mission. And they usually go with what our recommendation is. And they appreciate that process because they really don't know what they don't know. All, they, all that they do know is that they do find value in our community and want that support on station.
2: You're lucky, Master. Jason. like they would always ask for an LN3 because that's, that's cheaper, right? <laughs> for many dollars, that's cheaper. And then you've got to go back and say, no, this is too big of a, a job.
1: You need to have an
2: yeah, LN2 no.
1: and LN1. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been asked for any LN3s. It's been <laughs> primarily um, chiefs. Some first classes that we um, went down and recommended uh, second class if they had a an attorney on board there because if they're a brand majority, the majority of our second classes, you know, that they're coming straight from accession, and we want to ensure that we set them up for success when they go to their first duty station. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But they, that's tough to turn down the chief billet. It is.
2: So be we. I mean, really be we because. It's tough to turn
1: down a chief billet. That's, a, that's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, so for example, we have a billet out there right now that just um, came effective in this fiscal year, and now they're already talking about getting rid of it because they realized that that portfolio or that command mission has changed and they no longer need that Chief Petty Officer. So times change, and usually when they do come in and ask for these requests, it's in the future. So, what it looks like three or four years ago totally makes sense, but once it comes online, things have changed so much and they make those changes.
2: Now, maybe you want to, I, I mentioned earlier about submitting a POM request. Um, which, off the top of my head, I'm forgetting what POM stands for, but your basic it's your planning two, three, four years in the future. Um, so you're, yeah, it is a struggle to know what you, what the mission is going to look like and what the workload is going to work look like three to four years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the. That's how the the billets get bought, and that's how the funding gets requested.
1: Um, yeah. Yep, and those requests go up against bigger navies. So even yes. though um, if you don't understand the manning part of it, it would seem really easy. Well, why can't we just get another person? But there's always fiscal money that comes behind it and the other competing priorities that will take priority over a small community like ours. And this conversation right here is exactly why it's so important to go
2: out and do the site visits and re-energize yourself to see all the great work that the Ellens are doing out there. Because you can go in circles for days <laughs> just with <laughs> the different submissions for that that's needed. The, the bureaucracy.
0: I mean, it's yes, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Well, well, thank you both for sharing that. There's, it's such a process and so much goes into it. So, thank you both for sharing. <laughs> um, Master Chief Larkins, uh do you think that legal men are being utilized to their full potential? That is
1: a loaded question. Do you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I don't know many ways you can take that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, it's our responsibility as the community and as leaders to provide the proper tools and training to support the utilization. And what I've seen in the past year, it's been on the forefront of our senior leaders as far as our lines of effort and ensuring that the conversation, is being had and really sharing lessons learned. I will say, when I have been on my site visits and talking to the sailors, they're they are they're telling me that they have seen a shift. And that's not only coming from the enlisted, that is also coming from the officers as well. In my opinion, um, I think that the new LN collaboration instruction has really empowered the LNs and the attorneys to push them further and provide opportunities that maybe they didn't realize that they could push that young LN out of their comfort zone or vice versa, that LN coming to that attorney and saying, hey, you know what? I can do this. Give me the opportunity in order to do it. Um, there, There is still always room for improvement as far as, as we continue to grow as a community. And... I just appreciate the conversation is being had from
0: the highest level of the JAG Corps down to the lowest level. Thank you, Master Chief. And Master Chief Richie, this is similar. Um, have you addressed a proper legal utilization in the past, and what do you think have worked and what did not work so well? Well, we did not have an Ellen collaboration
2: instruction, so maybe having an instruction earlier would have been... A better course of action, but so when I was when I first took over as JAG CMC, I was coming from Naval Justice School, and I actually stayed at NJS for the first year that I was in the seat as the JAG CMC. And what I got to do, and what NJS allowed me to continue to do, was talk to all of the classes that came through NJS at that time. If it was a senior SJA course you know, the 04 Leader Development course, um, whatever course happened to be on deck that had LNs or JAGs, I would go talk to them and talk about LN utilization and what that might look like and, and what it might entail. And I would always kind of frame it this way, that the LN should be able to do or provide the first draft of anything that attorney is doing, everything is in that LMS portfolio, right? So I would encourage them, because this is leadership, right, and a lot of these are leader development courses as well, to know what your LMS full potential is, you've got to sit down and have that conversation. And it sounds like these conversations are happening more often now and the collaboration instruction has helped that too, which is outstanding. Um, But they have to sit down and have that conversation about expectations, their past experience, what tools and training they need to be able to meet those expectations. You know, that's basic leadership 101 and um, kind of what I would talk about as, as we, as I would do my site visits, I also made it a point to sit and talk to the first tour judge advocates on the site visits um, and While I don't know how much they enjoyed the conversations with me, I always enjoyed having conversations with them and um you know, even if they may not have found it helpful that day, I'm, I'm hoping I'm planting a seed. You know, I think all farmers in some aspect, right, when you're senior leaders, you, you've got to plant the seeds along the way to affect the change later on because the change takes so long to to get over the hump before you see it sometimes. So I I view that. As my role as the JAG CNC was to have those conversations with the JAGs as well as the LN. And then we would have our senior enlisted present at um, the Commander's Leadership Symposium. We shared best practices um, and, and tried to collaborate that way um, because each command, all of our commands were doing wonderful things. Um, but you've got to connect one another to know and share and, you know, why reinvent the wheel. Reach out to someone else that you know is doing it well and try to replicate it or make it fit to your current command. Um, so those those are just a few examples of, of what we did. Um, you know, and it's got to be based, again, on the individual LN experience level, training level, motivation level and workload. Um, We have places that the workload just doesn't support, you know, an LN being able to sit down and draft a motion for their attorney. That's just a fact of life. And you've got to also align expectations with with that as well. It doesn't make them less of a legal It doesn't make them less of a paralegal because it's an important part of the mission that has to get done in order to to move the case forward. So there's a little bit of that you know, balancing as well when you have discussions about LN utilization.
1: And one thing I'll also like to highlight when we're talking about the the collaboration, one of the most important aspects of it is the feedback. So, what I've seen typically is they the LNs are given the opportunity to write that motion But the feedback is not given to them and so they continue continuously if no feedback is given to the sailor they're going to think that they're doing it right and they have no idea what adjustments that need to be made and then when we're talking to the the young judge advocates and they just say, well, their work product is just not there, Master Chief. And, and then you just ask the question, well, did you tell them? Well, no, um, I didn't have time to, or I didn't want to hurt their feelings. But we're strong enough. We can take that constructive criticism because we want to help them. We're trained to to do this type of work, and we and we owe it to you to make those adjustments and be the best that you can be and um so hopefully they that they are given the feedback after we have those conversations and not waiting to the point where things are just out of control and they aren't able to make those adjustments so what i really like about the collaboration instruction is just really um, focusing on that feedback not only at the listed level, but also at the officer level as
2: well. That piece is so important because I I can recall they used to do the um, surveys for LPEP. You remember the surveys that would go out to the yes. islands and to the yeah. JAGS regarding LPEP. Um, education and, and the LNs always rated themselves very high, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the tasks that they were doing and the level of proficiency they were doing them, doing them. And the JAGs, not so much. And, um, that was a, a talking point as well. And, and a very important one because, yeah, if you don't get feedback, nobody improves. And it takes an investment of time and energy to develop them in the long run. And I'm sure you tell the Jags this today, but look, your LN3 that you don't train today might be your LN1 or your chief sometime in the future. So take ownership of training them and collaborating with them and giving that feedback now because it it makes the community stronger overall as a whole. Absolutely. 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 And we want that sure at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure this will help the legal men and, and those uh, attorneys out there, um, this feedback. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be better uh, moving forward. So this brings me to the next question Mass um, Chief Larkin If you had a crystal ball and could tell the future, what would the legal men community look like in five years?
1: Oh my goodness. Well we would definitely be one hundred percent manned. Woohoo! I know and comparable in size to the attorneys because the attorneys are almost um double our size. And I think if we had that growth we would there would be better collaboration, as we we just got done talking about, because right now our LNs are really supporting two to three attorneys at one time. And everything always comes back down to training. When Master Chief um, Richie was talking about Naval Justice School and how they play into the bigger picture and ensuring that our legal men training continuum continues to grow with the different responsibilities and the changes with our military justice and maybe potentially have a litigation special program and really have that ability to grow that portfolio outside of the
0: RILSO and DSO. All right thank you master Chief master Chief Richie um, what do you think of the legalman community today, and what do you like to what would you like to see change if any
2: well, you know what i spent almost 20 years in the legalman community, I absolutely love the legalman community. And I'm fortunate that I get to see, you know, the newsletters and the um, JAG news that comes out and it comes across my email each day. So I'm seeing the of the quarter awards and the outstanding accomplishments the LNs continue to do. I'm seeing the mentor in the spotlight, which... I absolutely love because and I know Master Chief Lark can attest to that, probably you can too, Ellen one's been in the Navy a few years yourself, but you see so many mentorship programs come and go and it seems like and it feels like that this program has really gotten its feet on the ground and it's just taken off running and everyone is incredibly engaged. I'm seeing a cohesive team of sailors and motivators um, doing what sailors do because while we're legal men and we're professionals in the legal community, we are first and foremost sailors in the U.S. Navy. Um, and we've always enjoyed a great Reputation in the Navy of mentorship within our, um, within our community. Um, but I see it just reaching new levels right now. You know, in terms of improvement, I, I would definitely concur with what Master Chief said in terms of growing the community. Um, I, I think we're a little backwards. I've always kind of felt this way that you're, you, probably need more support people for the attorneys, you know, because we have the capability to take more off of their plate and move things forward and allow the attorneys to look at some higher level functions. Um, so I really hope that five year vision could come could come to fruition. Um, the other thing is just the tools. You know, we owe training and tools to our people to help them succeed and um, I, I think you could improve on the tools that we are using to do the job and Technology. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you want to be effective you want to be efficient um, we should be able to fill out every- you know, have fill in one document and it it automatically fills out multiple forms. So there's a lot of room uh, for improvement, I think, on the technology side of the house. And I know our leadership is doing a lot to look into that and there's, things in the works as we speak to to help with that, but, um, wow, what a difference I think that'll make if we get some really good effective tools out there for for everyone to use.
1: And if you notice one theme of this conversation, it takes time. And even though that we think that it should be moved much faster, but it's not always... Always that way. Glacier.
2: We've <laughs> got a glacier. Okay.
1: Right. I mean, especially just when, especially if there's money that's behind it. Lord.
0: Thank you, Master Chief. So, Master Chief Larkins, what was the best advice given to you as Jack Horse CMC?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to take you back to 2012 time frame, Okay. And that was when I first met the one and only Master Chief (laughs) Richie. And her words to me that time really molded me. And as we know, life happens, right? And for me, I was at a crossroad in my career, in my life, and she told me, be yourself. And still to this day, that is the best conversation that or not conversation, best yeah, it was a conversation we had. We were just yeah. talking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the and the best advice that. She, anybody could have given me and that still to this day it plays over and over in my head and one day I was um I think I was probably at TJ Maxx or something and I was walking past the um this wall and they have this sign on there and I have it in my office now and it simply States, beauty begins when you decide to be yourself. And I had to get that just because of the conversation that we have. And every morning when I walk into my office, I look at it, it was just like, Brooke, just be yourself. That's all you can be is be yourself.
2: Um, I'm glad we're not on camera because you see me ugly cry right now.
1: (laughs) yes and another best advice that i received was just the importance of building relationships i mean you've heard us talk about it here during this call and it's not only professional but it's also personal and this position is very unique and you have a staff scaffold one and in order to make things happen For me, I learned very quickly that the importance of those relationships that you have and they will keep you grounded when you get off course and they will absolutely be open and honest with you when it comes to any type of feedback. One Mm -hmm. area that I have grown as a leader being in this position is having the ability to listen. And sometimes that's very hard for me to listen without trying to solve the problem at that particular time. And the more that I do it, it has really proven to me that... When you do listen, you have the ability to create those trustworthy relationships and having that um, and also building that loyalty that you have with that person. And I want our leaders to know that we do have the sailors' best interest in mind and that we do truly do listen to them when they do come up with recommendations and solutions to a problem that they may see that we don't see because we have our blinders on. And lastly is my husband gave me this advice a couple of weeks ago and we've been together for over 25 years now. through the good, the bad and the ugly, <laughs> and <laughs> he knows that um, my time in the Navy, Navy is coming to an end. And a few weeks ago, I came home from work one day. I, In my mind, it was a bad day. I was probably stomping around the house, just talking in circles, not really making any sense. <laughs> And he just stopped and was laughing at me. So you know what happened when he started laughing at me, right? He made me even more mad. And he basically told me that, or he he told me that you know that I have the best job in the Jack community, and I should never take it for granted. And I should never have a bad day because there'll never be another opportunity like this affect change as this physician allows us to and he's absolutely right and so yeah. since he I said, knew i really like leon he's like a smart guy <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah and since he said that i just have that playing in the back of my head i'm like okay yeah retirement is right around the corner and This is the best job in the Jack community, and will I ever have that opportunity to be in this type of position to affect change? And he was right,
0: and I have not told him he is right. But I'm telling it right now to everybody that he was That's right. Amazing. That's some great advice, Master Chief. Thank you for sharing. And Master Chief Richie, um, what was the best advice given to you while serving in or CMC? You well,
2: know, you get advice from so many places and um, I found myself reaching out for advice um, a lot of times, you know, that's a strange position because, um, you, you think you're ready. I don't know. I don't really ever, I don't think I ever really thought I was ready, um, but you get put in, into those positions. That's how you grow and and learn as a leader, um, without necessarily being, you get ready along the way. Um so having the inner circle like what Master Chief Larkins is talking about and keeping your your network and having people close to you that you trust to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear is important because you're kind of in a bubble. You can so easily be in a bubble up there. Um, so having people close to tell you what's what was definitely advice I was given as well. Um, And also just don't take things personally. Um, You know, sometimes things happen, people disagree. Um, You've gotta make decisions sometimes that you just make the decision, the best decision you can make at the time And maybe if you had more information later or more time later, maybe you would have made it different. But you've got to just sometimes make a decision and move on, um, and make the best of it and reflect later if necessary. But you can't take all of the criticism, you know, personally. Um, You've got to stay focused on the positive and try to find the positive in things. So I found myself, you know, there's always people that you can reach back to. So I found myself reaching back to past JAG and just to even get some background information, things that may have happened there, just to fully understand the situation, but knowing and realizing that this community is so close-knit, tight-knit, even after retirement, that you can call back and reach back, and bounce ideas off of, and, and I would do that sometimes, and it was great to have them there, and they made themselves available to me, and, and made it known that they would be available to me, and I appreciated that so much. On top of, you know, the support that I had with my team at the headquarters, you know, I had Chief Cooper, and I had Chief Gutierrez, and I had now Chief and I had an amazing team there, and I relied on them a lot. Um, I don't do good with delegation. I know that's a weakness of mine because I am a control freak and that you can't operate that way. And if I had it to go back and do over again, I probably would try to be less of a control freak um, because that's added stress that the people I reached out to and the people that I relied on I mean they've got your back always and knowing that the entire time I was in the seat and beyond um, was uplifting and I I think just going back to the be yourself I've heard that all through you know be authentic be real be realistic and And I think that's something you have to hold close as well. This is a terrible answer. I don't like my answer at all.
1: It's a good answer. It's yeah. a good answer. You're being real. <laughs> You're being yourself. Yes. I
0: love, I love <laughs> it. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing. Uh we appreciate that and we love hearing your perspectives. So yes. before Thanks
2: we forget that your Jag C are real people too. <laughs> a- absolutely.
0: <laughs> and it's good to see that side of you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you both for sharing those. Um, before we close out, um, Master Chief Larkins, do you have any closing remarks for the Legal men community? Yes,
1: I do. Well, first off, thank you so much for putting this podcast together and giving... Master Chief Richie and and I the opportunity to share what happens up here at headquarters and kind of um, what happens behind the scenes and just knowing that we do it all for the community to make our community the best that it can be. And I appreciate every thing that the LNs that are doing out there, you are totally crushing it. And continue on doing that. I know times are tough, but we will get through this and good things are coming our way. And happy birthday. This is our 50th golden year. And the whole Ellen birthday team that put on all these different evolutions, it was not an easy task to do. And Senior Chief Darius, Chief Ridlon, Chief Zandy, um, Ellen 2 Williams, they were the core team that came together that had a vision and really built it out. And we thank you so much for what you have done. And I can't wait to see what will happen at our 75th celebration. Maybe we will be one of those master chiefs that come back on our 75th anniversary. There
2: you go. Interview us again in 25 years. Yes. And we'll see
1: whatever happened in five years if they would actually. If your crystal ball came to fruition, right? Right. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I have my bets on you, Master Chief Larkins. I think that's going to happen, and I can't wait to see it happen. And um, you're doing an amazing job. I knew knew you would. I'm so happy. I'm so glad to see the things that um, are happening in the community. And you've got a winning team in the community and in the leadership there at the headquarters thank you thank you for all that you do and thank you to the ellen birthday committee and ellen one anderson and is Ellen One-Smith still on the phone for setting this up? Thank you both. Even if you're
0: not, maybe he'll listen to it later. <laughs> yes, I think he will. Um, uh, thank you so much to Ellen One-Smith and Ellen Tuporat that helped me through this podcast as well. Um, and thank you both, uh, Master Chief Larkins and retired Master Chief Richie. Thank you for joining us and sharing your experiences and your perspectives uh, while serving in, as Jack Horse CMCs. We really do appreciate all of your insight. So we can't thank you enough. And thank you all for listening. And this concludes the Ellen 50th birthday series podcast. Happy 50th birthday, legal Man! You've been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit JAG.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.